0: Great. Thank you, Ellie. Um, So good to uh, be a church planting church. And you guys uh, will hear lots more tomorrow about that. Um, But uh, I've spent quite a lot of time with Jack just talking through uh, what the future could look like. And uh, you guys as a church family will get some time tomorrow to hear the specifics of... um, some of the where and the when and what they're actually gonna be doing. But it feeds very nicely into what we're looking at in this second session. Before we dive there, uh, I just felt the Lord wanted to just really encourage you to, there, Um, and yep, that's you. Um, And You might not have been in the first session, but in the first session we um, just, I was just asking God, is is there anyone you really wanna encourage here today? And I felt the Lord really wanted to encourage you to um galatians 6 talks about sowing and reaping and the idea is that you sow so sow, so sow, and at some point you get to reap the harvest and i felt like this right now is a season of sowing and so it doesn't necessarily feel that great or it feels like you're making choices to do the right thing but you're not necessarily seeing the fruit of your hard work you're just investing quietly and getting on with life and trying to invest in your walk with God. And uh, I felt that the Lord just wanted to sort of highlight this season. If it feels very average or very normal right now, it's actually really important for what he's calling you to in the future, because there is a reaping that's going to happen. And uh, like a farmer who has to sort of prepare the soil and fertilize it and then plant the seed and then trust for the, rain and the sun in order to for things to grow just felt there were some specific things that god wants you to like to be in almost preparation mode even though you don't quite know where it's all going and so for you just to be hungry to learn for you to seek discipleship get people to invest in your life to seek uh inputs and for people to speak the truth in love into your lives And for you to do the same with others but it was just to say there's a significance to this season that's beyond what you can see right now and so each decision is important and each decision is full of potential uh, for what's to come okay i know that's a very general word but the sowing and reaping is what i got for you all right um let's crack on So where we got up to were, we looked at the four big promises uh, in scripture. Who were the first people to get the promise? Adam and Eve. Then we looked at Abraham. Then we looked at King. And then we heard from the prophets. And they all centered in around God's call for them to be a people that ultimately see the nations of the world blessed. All those promises fulfilled and empowered in Jesus, and then we looked at Peter's instructions to the church that somehow sort of enhanced and turbocharged some of those things that Israel was called to. And we finished by saying that up, in and out, that sort of worship community mission, it's the mission, it's the sending, it's the planting, it's the going that we wanna spend a bit of time on. So what did the New Testament church do? as they inherited these incredible promises. Well, this next table uh, is lots of detail, but the summary of this table is that it seemed whatever, um, uh, whatever they gave themselves to involved planting churches. So Acts 8... Uh, you've got the church in Jerusalem. They get scattered because of persecution. We find Philip plants a church in Samaria, which is then visited by Peter and John. Acts 9, you've got believers that have been scattered planting a church in Damascus. By Acts uh, 9.31, there's churches through Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Then in Acts 9, you find a church that gets planted in Lydda by Peter. In Acts 10, Peter establishes a Gentile church in Caesarea. And then in Acts 11, we find churches planted in Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch... And Barnabas is is sent to sort of investigate what's happening. And there he calls upon Saul, who becomes Paul. And Paul is then off into his missionary journeys. Three missionary journeys, all of which involve him either starting churches or revisiting churches that he started to strengthen them. And so Acts 13, Acts 15, Acts 18. So I guess I'm saying to you the response to what it is to be the people of God, and the way the early church really put their energy into the out was by planting churches. And so I'm so pleased you guys, as a church, are doing the same. What is church planting? What are Jack and Mez going to do? What's their plan? They're probably asking that question, like, what do we do? But in its simplest form, this is what church planting is. It's leading people to Christ and baptizing them. It's making disciples that make disciples. So those people that come to know Jesus, they're training them to go and do the same. They will gather those people in a small group, and hopefully hopefully those small groups will start to multiply. And within those groups, they will train and deploy leaders, because if it's left to them to do all the work, then the growth will be stunted, and they will have a little mini breakdown probably two years in and then they grow, they multiply, and then they send others out to do the same. So the hope is as they establish this church in a few years, they become a church planting church. So what types of church plants are there? Well, I think there's three, maybe four types of church plants. The first is a pioneering church plant. So this is what we see happening in the New Testament. This is what Paul did. Uh, A good example is when he planted the church in Ephesus. So without having anything on the ground in Ephesus or even close by, Paul turns up with his team, he builds relationships with people in the city, he gathers local people to them, and eventually a church community is started. So uh, for Mosaic Church, uh, that Philippa and I started... 18 years ago, can't believe I'm saying 18 years, 18 years ago, that's what we did. We came to the city, we didn't really know that many people, it was just us and a couple of babies, and the first two years were spent trying to meet people, gather people, share the gospel with people, we were like super intentional on being like mega friendly, so this is how cringy it was, because we were so desperate to make some friends, Uh, that when we got on a bus... And like if you like, go up to the top deck and there was one person sat, we would go and sit next to that person <laughs> and start a conversation. And literally we did this uh, in a restaurant. If we were out for a meal and there was someone eating alone, we would invite them to come and sit with us. And such was sort of our desperation to get to know people and find out who was open to the gospel. And that's what you do when you are pioneering, because you've got to meet people. You can't start a church by yourself. You've got to find those that are open to Jesus. So that's pioneering. Second is a local church reproducing, and this is what you are about to do with Jack and Mess. So the initial plant in Ephesus resulted in many other churches being planted in the province of Asia as Luke tells us in Acts 19, verse 10. And these are the churches that are all mentioned in the book of Revelation. You know, those opening couple of chapters in Revelation. Those churches are the churches planted from Paul's original plant in Ephesus. So there are loads of advantages of this method over the pioneering method. The pioneering method, you're sort of somewhat on your own. You are, it takes a long time Uh, But when you go from a local church, there's some great things that can happen. A church planting team can continue to draw the benefits of a stronger established church nearby. So Jack and Mez need a team. And they are going to be asking the Oak Church, who wants to come with us? And hopefully a few people are going to say, we would like to come with you. Um, They need a team in order to, to maximise the outreach they can do with others. But both them and their team will probably sort of draw on the strengths of the oak and the worshipping community. They won't just go all out on their own for the next five years, but there'll be this interaction that happens uh, between the church plant and the church planting church. That massively reduces the sense of isolation uh, that a team can feel in the early days. It also reduces the overall level of life, ch- life change that the team need to go through. So it may well be that the bit of leads that Jacomez are looking and praying about, it might be that some of you already live close to there already, uh, or it wouldn't take much for you to move nearer to the place they feel God's calling them to. There also can be a much higher level of support uh, for the new leaders. Uh, because uh, friends uh, are nearby. And sometimes there can be people, perhaps if they're gonna be uh, planting in a part of Leeds, you might have friends already that live there, perhaps uh, that are work colleagues or people that you've met in Leeds, friends and relatives, that you can pass their, their names to and say, these people, I'd love you to spend some time with them. They seem open to Jesus. So that's the second type of church plant. So pioneering local churches, let's talk about multi-site becoming a plant. Any questions about those first two? Pioneering from the ground up and local church reproducing. Any questions? Yes. (laughs) There's that woman of faith. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it. Yeah. So, so, in one sense, it becomes much more of a pioneering plant. And so, everyone will have to make some adjustments that Jacomez probably will still go, but they'll probably need a couple of years to raise up that initial team rather than sort of fast tracking it by sending, you know, if. If they can send, if you guys as a church family can send between ten and twenty people with them, I mean, I hear that you're full on Sunday mornings already, so you've got capacity to do that. If you can send those people with them, it just speeds everything up, and, and uh, I think would add momentum. But hopefully, that's not going to happen. That's a great question, though. Anything else? Yeah, so my guess is that there might be just a a little bit of uh, joined up thinking in the first sort of year or two. It might be that some of you do feel called, but not quite ready to take the plunge. And so you can go on a bit of a journey with Jack and Mez and probably go to their small group and attend things as you firm up, like, what is it that God's saying to us? And that's, again, one of the benefits of doing it this way. It doesn't have to be a clean break, but there can be an exploration that happens which just makes the jump a little bit easier. Okay, third type is multi-site becoming a church plant. So uh, this we've done this at Mosaic, but rather than sending off a couple to start something on their own that is sort of autonomous from the sending church, you can do a site, or some people call them congregations, But it's really what you are doing at the home church and just sort of reproducing it somewhere else. But the ties are very, very strong. You've probably got the same name or you probably share all the finances. You've probably got one website. You've got probably one sort of vision that applies in both places. And if that site happens, say if you've got 20 people that live, uh, I don't know, just a couple of miles away and you start gathering in small groups and then meeting on a Sunday, over time, if that grows, it might be that you say, this is actually something in its own right. And so it's not going to be a site anymore. We are going to plant you as your own congregation. And they'll probably at that point have their own name and their own leadership team and their own finances and that sort of thing. What's really good about that model is that it's not quite as scary as doing a church plant. And so um, the sort of leader or leadership team is a little bit different because you're not reinventing the wheel. You're just sort of reproducing what's happening at the oak already. You're just sort of taking the oak on tour, if you like, into a different place. Uh, It also is a bit easier to commit to for the team. It's really good for the sending church. There's usually more sort of resources and it's a real sense of, teamwork across the sites. But I think you can only be a site for a certain amount of time. At some point, I think it's good for it to develop into its own church so it stands on its own two feet. Um, But we as a church, uh, we have done that, and we are 10 years into the multi-site journey. So Mosaic has um, three sites that are all, sort of share the same vision and finance and resources. And at the moment, it's working okay because they're all very, very different. But at some point, we could become three different churches. We just don't feel the times right now. And then fourthly, uh, there's the unplanned church plant. So the church in the Antioch is an example of this fourth type of plant because it, it was a bit like an unplanned pregnancy. So in Antioch, a group of Christians gather because of persecution And actually, Levin tells us the Lord's hand was on them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. I mean, I don't think people moved to Antioch thinking we're going to plant a church. They just moved because of persecution. They shared the good news about Jesus. Lots of people responded. It was like, oh my days, what do we do? Let's start a little church. And it was a little bit unplanned. And then apostolic ministry was sent from Jerusalem to sort of serve the spontaneous new church. Uh, This happens from time to time. So quite a few years ago, I can remember hearing in Ghana, uh, a guy who helped lead the church in Accra, he felt the Lord give him uh, a phone number when he was praying about reaching people. He felt the Lord give a phone number and he was brave enough to dial the number. And so he got through to a guy who was actually an alcoholic who was about 20 miles away from where this guy was. And so he just said to him, the Lord's given me your number, we need to meet. And so he went and met with this guy and shared the gospel with him. He became a Christian. The guy was so radically changed by Jesus that he invited his family and village uh, to hear the gospel, hundred and something or other people gave their lives to Jesus, and they started a church plant. And if only it was that easy for Jack and Mez. <laughs> But a beautiful story of God just sort of doing it, and no, there was it was not in any strategy, not planned at all. But God just did it. So an unplanned um, church plant. There are three things needed for a church plant to work, you know, outside of the grace of God and, you know, him working sovereignly. You need some leadership, you need a location, and you need sort of a bit of a vision and strategy, like what you're actually going to do. And so you guys have got some leaders that are going to lead the team. You've nearly got a location. Get in there. And they'll share more about that. I'll leave you in suspense as to where that is. And they've got a vision and strategy. They've got an idea of this is the sort of church that we're called to lead. And so um, each uh, type of church plant need those three ingredients. Leadership, location, vision, strategy. Let's stop there for a sec. Any questions about multi-site? That's probably you know, a little bit less relevant for you guys right now or unplanned or just church planting in general you want to ask about. Uh, like a strategy or vision? Rachel. Um, you think it's more or less likely to have conflict in leadership when you're
1: planting or when you're staying
0: there. I'd spell that out a little bit mo- so, more for me. Like There's always differences of opinion on how things should do Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: That's, but then again, when you're doing different things, that's going to be right in the forefront to keep mind how we're doing it. So yes. So it's more and less of an issue when you're in space still
0: or Um I don't quite know how to answer that, but I would say that people that lead pioneering or even sort of local church plants, they tend to be quite sort of pioneering, entrepreneurial, and often have their own ideas of what things should look like, and that is a good thing, because they've, they've got some strong convictions. And often a really important motivation to get people to go, because it's such a big deal to go, is like a holy discontent. There's, a, there's, there's something in Jack and Mez that's a really good thing that means what they experience at the Oak is like there's probably bits of what the oak is like which drive them a little bit crazy. That isn't perhaps how they would do things, and that's a good thing, because they have been given. You know, I, that might not, I, I'm sorry. You may come on, come back. I'm don't want to speak on your behalf. Yeah. Yeah. Mez, thank you. Mm. 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 Yes. So, Jack and Mez have got really godly motivations. If I personalize it, when I came and church planted in Leeds, I had like some of this holy discontent. Like, I wanted to start again and build the foundations from scratch. If only I was as Godly as these guys who are going for the sake of mission and the lost. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's it? I don't know if that quite answers your question, but thanks, guys. Yes. They were, yeah. After the war, the, the, the church that they were in, Coventry, was bond, there was nothing left. Mm-hmm. And they prayed at the church. And a community stayed to two very new areas. Hmm. It was two church houses. Yeah. Was it perhaps planned? Yeah, it feels like in the unplanned <laughs> camp, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It is, it is the way that God is blessing us. Mm, definitely.
1: It's
2: really important
0: to remember that it's not It's not wacky. It is And it's good to remember as well, 13 years ago, you were that church plant. You know, you, this, this was you guys, but you know, a group of people deciding to build a church in this area. So I'd like to get you chatting to one another at this point, and I'd like you to think about the benefits of you being a church planting church and the impact doing this church could be. But I also want you to think about some of the costs. So we're gonna do the benefits first, okay? And then we'll pause and I'd like to sort of hear back from you all. So what do you think, like what, what are some of the, the, the benefits for the gospel, for you guys, for the people that go, for the people they're gonna be reaching? What are those benefits? Have that discussion in your groups and then we'll feedback and then we'll talk about the costs, okay? Okay, um, let's talk about some of the benefits. The benefits of church planting. Anyone want to start us? Rachel. Uh, There's
2: a lot more relying on God, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah. So 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 give us some examples, or like what in what things.
1: and stuff needs doing that it comes on you Mm. and clearly if you bore the weight of that yourself that would be too much Mm. so there's a lot more asking god for
2: guidance
0: and for help yeah that's perfect and there's also reliance on god needed for the sending church because if you guys see oh there's 20 people going and half of them were our kids team and two of them were our worship leaders and what are we going to do and so there's a sense in which you need to trust god in those moments yeah very good yep Yeah, really helpful. It sort of creates room, doesn't it, for everyone. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say it almost opens up the, the development the encouraging the development of new roles and, and again the reliance and trust on God
0: that the is there. Yeah, very good. What, where it really particularly helps is if you're quite new. So if you've arrived in the last couple of years and you're still sort of finding your feet, it's easy to come, particularly on a Sunday, and see it's all taken care of. And, and so it actually is quite a pleasant experience. <laughs> you get to come and just to enjoy other people's gifts and what God's doing amongst you. And suddenly, as space is created, it actually, it's space for you in particular, if you're new, and it's like, God's invitation is, like, I've brought you to this church for a reason because uh, I knew this was coming and you can now step into the gaps that are left by others. And that, ultimately, like, it can feel like, wow, that's quite a pressure or that sounds like hard work. Maybe, but it's also you using your gifts, how God's wired you and made you. You're, you're you know, you're this temple of people being built together and and you're, a part of the body that this church needs, actually. So really important, Adam, go. so helpful, Adam. So just having a church in a location, perhaps there wasn't many other churches, um, then, uh, I mean, the stats are incredible. So it, 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 in general, I think I might have this, it, the stats about under three years old, three to 15 is, so church plants see more people saved than older established churches. And so if the church is under three years old, so like a church plant, you tend to see, on average, 10 people saved per 100 church members. But if your church is three to 15 years old, you only see five people saved per 100 members. And if your church is over 15 years old, on average, it's three people per 100. So you've gone from 10 per 100 to five per 100 to three In what time scale? um, (laughs) Each, I don't know who asked that, each year. Each year. And so most churches operate on a bit of a bell curve. And so as churches start, you often get the the rapid growth. Then there is a sort of a plateauing and then there's a, a falling away, just in general. And to, to stop that happening, there are adjustments you need to make so you get, you get a diff, you know, more bell curves happening. But generally, the older the church is, the, the evangelistic impact and missional thrust diminishes over time. And so what church planting does is it resets everything for the home church because it's like a fresh start, off we go again. And it's obviously a fresh start for the people going. Because the whole sort of success of the endeavor is reliant on God saving some people and bringing them into their family. So yeah, really good point. Yeah.
2: Um, how about um,
1: social strata and the fact that uh, we can be middle-classy church where we go.
0: So what church planting does, it allows you to contextualize to the place that you're reaching. And so if it is a predominantly sort of poorer neighborhood or more affluent neighborhood, there's probably difference in approaches, different ways of doing church life that's really sort of fits the context. And you see that in the New Testament. Paul just seems to have some different strategies depending where he goes and who he's with and who he's trying to reach. The gospel gets preached a little bit differently in different places. The strategy is sort of roughly the same, but um, uh, you can tell there's different approaches depending on the area. So really good. Yes. I'll come there next.
1: Yeah, good. Yeah. So that's going to have similar DNA, but not identical. And therefore, the development of that plant could be very different to the original. And the food that it produces
0: is going to look different as Mm -hmm. well. And how it
1: behaves would be different. Yeah. I just think
2: that's a real opportunity for God to kind of nurture and tend to that plant. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's, uh, some people picture it like a strawberry plant. You know, strawberry sort of sends out runners. And so you sort of get a, the plant producing some fruit and then sends out some runners and you've got some more fruit happening. Let's go to the back. yeah Definitely, so hugely developmental. And just like a a quick comment, when we planted in Leeds, we we were leading a large church in Bedford and we planted here with just me and Pip. And by the end of year one, we had five people that were in our church planting team. And um, I, I remember the lessons for me in that first year was all to do with me realizing my identity has got to be in Jesus, because I haven't got like a, almost a church to sort of prove my worth. And and likewise, I didn't even want to point to it, like a poorly performing church plant for my, you know, I could go for the sympathy vote as well and find my identity people people's like, oh, it must be really hard being a church planter in these. I didn't want to find it in there. I needed to find it in God. And so just in terms of my character those early years were, were so critical for my development cause God needed to humble me and to make me reliant on, on who I am in Him, not what I do and what the stuff that I do looks like. So, really good. I've not looked this way for a bit. Up the back. Yes. Now, I'm totally in agreement, but I'm just keeping it positive right now. So, can you change that? Yeah, really good, yeah. So if you've got 20 people leaving and they're all regular givers to the church, your finance people might be getting a little bit twitchy at that. <laughs> boring, right? But it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely an opportunity. And again, I'd say, especially if you're new or you're not giving or you do have stuff to share, you know, it's a moment to step in. And I believe... Giving is a discipleship issue. It's about trusting God with everything, including your money. And so that's a beautiful thing to call people into. You know, if people go on a giving journey, then their trust and reliance on God will only grow. So, really helpful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I love it. Brilliant. Mez, were you going to say something? Yeah.
2: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Love it. Jack, do you want to follow yeah, on from
1: really
0: that? I mean, all, cool thing, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs>
1: Good.
0: Mm. Beautiful. You've got all this to come, benefits. I see that hand at the back. And that's, re- 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really important, actually, for, y- for you guys that will be doing the sending, is that you're not to think of yourselves as the less radical people in the church. Uh, that would just a, a wrong mindset. Uh, the, the reality is, for the oak, as you plant Giacomo's and team, that it's a moment for you to go again and say, OK, we, this, this is... The, this is real life here, we need to, we can't just keep doing what we're doing, we need to commit again, whether it's financially or whether it's stepping up into leadership or whether it's just the, your outward posture. And my sense is that um, uh, you've, you've got quite a few plants in you and if you get this, this one right, uh, uh, and we're gonna talk about some of the costs in a minute, that there's no reason why this can't be a thing that you guys do on a, on a bit of a cycle. And you don't want to go too fast, but you definitely don't want to go too slow. But it really does feel like God's blessing this church family. Um, just so many new people coming through the doors, so many potential places to reach out to. It just feels like you've got momentum as a church. And the best thing to keep the momentum going is to go with the momentum. Don't, sort of force yourself against it and try and slow it down, but to let the momentum grow. Andrew.
1: So building on what's already been said, I think there's always a tendency in us to start kind of
2: boarding.
0: Mm.
1: So which, obviously, money is the obvious thing. Yeah. very good
0: yeah really good wise words should we talk a bit about the costs i think that just to, in be transparent and to be you know open about this whole process there will be some costs so do you want to chat to people around you again what's it going to cost you what's it going to cost the church if you do this yeah and i'm not repeating stuff as well so perhaps someone could Okay, everyone. <clears throat> I don't feel like I want to spend too long on this section, um, but uh, let's let's talk about some of the costs. What do you think some of the costs will be for you personally or f- as a church family? Let's go, Adam, first. So, I
2: big relationship.
0: Yeah.
1: So, mm. specifically.
0: definitely yeah yeah so friendships and ministry and what people bring and i guess i would want to say is the way you as a church family remain healthy when you're having to say goodbye to people that you love the most is just to make sure you give room to mourn the loss it's almost like we can just feel like well it's part of being a follower of Jesus and the cost of being a Christian we just move on and actually you do need to go there and because and deal with the grief because grief needs to do, you need to do something with the grief and so there should be tears and there should be a, you know mourning and a sense of loss it shouldn't stop it from happening but there can be a healthy way of processing it yeah 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 got a mic there, so. Sorry. So there's the uh, fact if they're moving, yeah. the children may have to move schools, yeah. new friends for them after mm. they've been settled, and also Jack and Mez missing the support and That's right. a larger group of people here. Yeah. Whereas we'd miss two people in Jack and Mez, mm. albeit we're missing two giants, mm. they're missing everybody yeah. apart from those that go with them. That's right. So, uh, and we've also got to remember there'll be, starting this plant, there'll be a lot of pressure and strain on them, and we've got to pray for them to Definitely. keep them strong as well. That's, yeah, really helpful. Yeah.
1: Um, I think we, we were discussing uh, one of the big things, being um, said. In terms of a spiritual cost, um, yeah. I've seen church plants and uh, mm. know of people that have planted church where there's been real spiritual warfare yeah. stuff go on as they step out mm. into planting, and I think it's it's kind of like how we as a sending church of things really pray against mm. that, but I've, I've seen it, and, yeah. and like there can be that spiritual yeah. cost as well.
0: Very real. Very real. <laughs>
1: Community group
2: and they've been vulnerable.
0: Mm. Um, That that people have been vulnerable in that group, and then
1: to suddenly lose them as Mm. leaders, they've got to learn or trust another group leader to be vulnerable, and that can be very hard for people Mm. sometimes. So it's kind of looking out for those people that mm. are staying that might feel vulnerable Definitely. because they've lost that relationship with yeah. Jack and Nez.
0: Yeah. it's really helpful. I'm going to wait for the mic now. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I was just thinking of the, the children of the families that go. Um, I know from my experience with my eldest son, he has anxiety and mm. I know when we moved here that was a big deal for him and he really struggled So, and the kids just kind of are taken along with for the ride mm. and we all know that god's got them we do mm. know that but it can make them suffer with their mental health as well uh, which in turn can affect the whole family's mental health um, yeah. so i think taking into that line into consideration would be good yeah.
0: i think someone told me that you're as a parent you're only as happy as your unhappiest child and um that that yeah, it was Jack. <laughs> yeah, you did actually, didn't you? Yeah. Well, well anyway, what? <laughs> okay. So thank you, Tim Keller. But uh, that is very real as you, as you leave and, and go. You, you've, as a parent, you, you feel the weight of that massively. Graham?
1: Um, we were just thinking about if, if we think about church as the living stones built together, and what you're about to do is take a bunch of those stones out of that building then the, the the building that's left has got holes in it and mm. it might even sort of crack collapse a bit and it might need a bit of rebuilding and yeah. so just thinking what that might mean practically is that there might be a bunch of stuff that we do as a church that can't be done mm. and it needs to be rebuilt mm. with a, maybe a not a different vision but just a, a rebuilding of what what is here and obviously it yeah. depends how many stones get taken out doesn't it yeah almost like you
0: need to recalibrate yeah. a little yeah. bit it might be you can't do everything you were doing before exactly. it might be you exactly. take your time and, to stuff. And so it
1: it also then speaks into what like where's your identity so is your mm. identity as a church and what you do and the things you put on yep. and the services you provide etc or is your identity actually in, in god mm. and in the vision of reaching the lost mm. and so it gives an opportunity to recalibrate all of that. Yeah, very good. But it can be costly.
0: Yeah. Let's do one more.
2: I think the aspect that is going to my is that yes, we talked about it's been alluded to things like you could lose half your youth leaders or half your children's mm. work leaders, and we've touched on the idea of others coming through, but. In terms, of, so those are costs that could actually hurt, but the mitigation to that is if we have a vision as a church planting church, then we're already working on the basis that there will be a church plant in so many months or mm. whatever, and therefore what we should be doing is that the leaders are trying to do themselves out of a job yes, that's by right. developing and training mm and bringing through new people. So the church planting vision starts long before a church plant. It just doesn't happen just like that. And then we say, oh, what are we gonna do now? Yeah. But that's very where good. we're going to building through the whole time.
0: It's interesting. I met, I met with the leadership team a couple of weeks ago, Graham's house and Graham Nicky's house. And I, I said to them that the, the, the work that you guys need to do as a leadership team really will involve leadership training and, and doing that very thing. The challenge you have here is most of your leaders are time poor because none of them are full-time most of them got other jobs and so that will be something you're going to have to work out as a church family like how do you intentionally bring people through while there's not a lot of time to make that happen and what things do need to stop to make that happen or what things what extra resource do you need to do that? And, and that's a particular challenge that you guys have as a church family. I think just to, uh, you know, to end on a bright note is that it could, it could fail. And, um, <laughs> and, and that's a cost that, that we just need to get out there because it might not work. And it might be somehow in the grand scheme of God that he wants these guys to go and take some team and they're the seed that gets buried in the ground. And there is a hope that one day there will be resurrection and fruit. But I've just, uh, our family of churches planted recently into Wakefield and David and Karen Lavery went there fully expectant for a church to be formed. But four years later, we've had to close it down. It's just not happened. And, you know, my job with Karen and Dave is to talk about what, what's God doing in all of this. And, and, and for them, very strongly, they are, we have been obedient to the call of God. The obedience didn't have a requirement of success at the end of it. We're obedient because we're obedient because God loves us. And so it's just worth getting that out there. We don't wish or expect that at all for you guys. But it might be something that you have to look at as a church family. Um, I just want to give a bit of time for us to be in the presence of God. This stuff, like it's not theory, like you guys are doing this. And so I'd love it just as we get to worship, just for that, I love what Rachel said right at the start, it increases your reliance on God. And it aligns your heart with the missional heart of God. So uh, do you want to stand with me? Let me pray, and then we're going to worship before we break for lunch. Might be good just for you just to put your hands out in front of you, just a sign of your openness or whatever you need to do physically to just come to that place of reliance on God. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're at work even in these conversations and teaching. I trust, Lord, that you are stirring this church and you're growing this reliance on you. God, I pray that you'd be speaking to some about what it is to stay and send, and you'd be speaking to others about what it is to go and to be part of the team. But all of us together, Lord, we want to be a people that offer our spiritual sacrifices to Jesus, that are building the church that you have always intended from the beginning. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to... Make us into this people that do the up and in and out. So come close now as we sing our praise to Jesus, as we focus on him, we ask, Lord, come close to us, come near to us and fill us with all that we need for life and godliness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.